see how this works. Does it really, though? I mean, does it? Yeah. We're live! We are. We are live. There's already four people. I didn't color. Mr. Peabody, wow, man. He's like first in. Boom. Where, Mr. Peabody, where were you just before we went live? I mean, come on. <laughs> well, there was there was a couple people waiting. Oh, that's cool. Oh, you you schedule it now. I like that. Yeah. It's classy. Well, if I did it a little earlier, it'd be classier. <clears throat> oh, the seven now watching. We're getting, oh. Seven. The mass, the mass rush for YouTube before, is now on. Before the people start getting bored. Let's go. <laughs> let's, let's make sure. We got to make hey. sure that we don't, we, you know, we can't, we can't get too crazy because we might disrupt the bandwidth of YouTube a little bit with the number of people that are going to tune into the show. Oh yeah. They only plan for like 20. Yeah. <laughs> you have to pay for more bandwidth. That's right. I was thinking watching of... snowblower videos. Mm, I was slow. watching another um, podcast the other day and they do a funding thing on theirs. And if you give money to the podcast, you get your name highlighted in the chat. And the more money you give, the 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 bigger your name is in the chat. So you can be really annoying. Physically big? Well, there's a big box around it and a color. Mm-hmm. And it's I mean, like, what are we talking for quantities here? Because, I mean, if we're talking $5 gets you a box... I mean, it's worth just throwing like five hundred dollars down once to be like every time you type, all they see is your name. Like that's it. That would like, be bam. awesome. <laughs> I do have a Patreon account for this thing, but I never asked for money. I probably should. We help pay for. You know, why is it so hot in here? That's a super chat. What's going on, Jason? We just watched your uh, video on the world's smallest yes. uh, vector monitor. Yes. It was great. And now I have oh, yeah. my clothes back on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that's sick. Sorry. Well, most of them. He's standing a little close to the camera. We can't see the crotch light today. I, di- I didn't turn it on. It's, it's yeah, not it's necessary. Funny. The, the shirt you're wearing, is that a Goonie shirt? This is a Stranger Things shirt. Oh, okay, Stranger Things. So hey, there's one I, just like that for uh, uh, Mandalorian now. It's got this, oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. So you can get like a whole series of those shirts what do you guys what you fellas drinking i ran out <laughs> matt's like uh fail <laughs> burger king <laughs> burger king <laughs> oh so i'm drinking a day shoots fresh squeezed ipa oh nice which is delicious Descahoots. that's correct Descahoots. <laughs> and then later i will be opening uh, one of the 18 remaining St. Arnold's pump- Pumpkinators oh. uh, brewed in a bourbon barrel. The best delicious pumpkin beer that exists. Oh, nice. So we can expect you to check uh, out. <laughs> I won't fall asleep, that's for sure. Oh. <laughs> Cheers! Where's the camera? Where's the camera? Yeah. Salute! Salute! Um... How the chatter's doing, man? Let's see. I've uh, navigated away. <laughs> hey, Adam bro- looks like he's seen a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Everybody's uh, noticing Adam's hair color yeah. and glasses. I wonder. Hey, Brian. Yeah, thanks, man. It's crazy. 
I just decided since I had it, I might as well do something kind of funky. Have you ever colored your hair in any way? Yeah, but not to this extreme. I want to go to blue hair. I work from home. Why don't I do that? I don't know. You should do it while you have it. Cause, uh, I, 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 take stuff. I take stuff to keep it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's true. Puts hair on your feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> should we try this thing? I want to try this thing. What do you got? I want it. What do you got? I'm gonna. I was just gonna spin up the intro and see what happens. Oh, try this thing. That's your new way of saying. Uh, Shut everything down and make some video go on without any sound. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. That's hey, how yeah. we roll. We there. Our audience is the beta testers. <laughs> Wonder if I have enough time to run with the video obstructing the screen to get another. Oh, sound. that's funny. Peabody says Adam cleaned his room. <laughs> Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, that's great. I, I, I noticed that, Mr. Peabody. <laughs> I did not. Oh, let's try this out. Okay. Live from KOYR Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota, this is Arcade Radio. Hello, Commander. Computer reporting. Intruder alert, intruder alert. Well, hello and welcome to, uh, what is this, Season 4, Episode 7 of the Arcade Radio Podcast. Uh, I just want to say today is Thursday, January 9th, 2020, and the time is approximately 7.22 p.m. Central. That was an awesome prediction, Mark. Thanks for joining us in the Arcadosphere. This is your host, Adam. I'm joined by my co-host, Mark. (laughs) <laughs> and Paradise Arcade Shop proprietor and Brad Pitt impersonator, Brian. Joining us, the last Supreme Chancellor of the Galactic Republic, and also the last Emperor of the Galactic Empire, also known as Darth Sidious, and trained in the dark side of the Force by Darth Plagius, please join us in welcoming the one, the only, Emperor Sheev Palpatine. Oh, hey, wait, he's not He's not able to make the show. What? No, yeah, Uh-oh. we got somebody else. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's, it's Matt. Joining us is Matt Janizek. <laughs> Who the hell is this guy? I don't know. Hey, What's up? We're only allowed to go by one name today. <laughs> wow. Welcome, Matt Janizek, to the show. Yeah. Boom. Well, uh,. I say let's open this little uh, swarry up with a uh, little what you've been working on. Brian. Wait. No. Mark. Me? Yeah, you oh. go first. Oh, well, let me tell you about Brian. <laughs> I gave him some of my money 
And now I have a space zap coming. The hell you say? There was a trading and a juggling and a drive, and it's fun. And I think we talked about it last time, but I'm gonna, I'm excited because now I've actually given him money. And so <laughs> and I'm gonna put it. Yes. Space, space zap and and oh, a kitty rama. Whoa! I'm the first person. I'm the first sucker. I mean, person to buy a, a kitty rama from him. So <laughs> I really want to get one, but I have no room. Oh, I don't have room either, but uh, it's going to happen. <laughs> There's going to be some storage adjustments, and uh, yeah, it's going to happen. I love the Kitty Rama. When I was a kid, there was this place that had um, like a cobblestone cobblestone path uh, in, a, in an indoor mall, and it went to the center. And in the in, in the center of this was like a, like a I don't know what like a commons area, and then mm. in there there was a Kitty Rama and a hot chocolate machine. Oh, and you could. The ch- hot chocolate was free, and the Kitty Rama was a quarter. Yeah. No. So Ingenious. You, you put the cup in there, and you press the orange button, and it would do the, okay. you know, and... Okay, quick quick question. Yeah. Maybe a little off topic. Sure. But what's the best vending machine you've ever seen? So you brought up a hot chocolate vending machine. So, like, quarter, you mean like it could be a quarter pay, whatever. You mean, like, what's the kind modern of craziest, or most like interesting... Old- could be old, new, whatever. Okay. Like, what's the one that you like? People are like, no, there was uh, not. Huh. I like the ones where they pop popcorn for you, like I'll on t- the fly. That's a good one. Sure. That's, yeah. Those are cool. I I'll tell you my favorite vending machine. It was at my first tech job in 1995, and we called it the Wheel of Death. It was basically an automat. So you put money in, and the thing you could rotate, and there'd be, you know, like chuck wagon sandwiches and milk and like uh, an, uh, and apples. And then you put your money in, and you could slide the thing open and choose and pull your your chuck wagon sandwich, and then microwave it. I love that thing. So in college, they had a French fry machine. What? Oh. Slide a dollar in, the frozen fries would drop down into a vat of oil, fry them, and then it would scoop them out and dump them in a cup. That sounds so incredibly gross because you know that oil did not get changed. No. No. No, I didn't say it was sanitary, but it was <laughs> I mean, crazy. I mean, you walk up, you're like, fresh fries, dollar in. Yeah. You Let's can go. change fresh. the oil? <laughs> <laughs> We're supposed to change the oil? <laughs> uh, you know, when I worked at Whataburger. That's kind of a southern type of thing out here. Whataburger? And, yeah, and we never changed the oil. That was my first job. Wow. Do you have a How picture of you wearing the uniform? I still own the uniform. I never gave it back. Why do you not have it on? <laughs> no, I mean, it's in storage, but I could find it, and then I'll do a whole show wearing my Whataburger uniform. I, w- I would love that. That'd be... Okay. <laughs> From 1988. I'll wear my Target name tag. Nice. <laughs> I'll try to find a red shirt red. and some khakis and put on my Target am, name tag. I am not wearing my uniform from my school. <laughs> I also have my Sears name tag somewhere, too. <laughs> I had a Sears name tag, too. Oh, I posted pictures on Twitter about it. My first job at Sears was taking pictures of kids on a bike. Oh, uh, yeah. while ET was in the basket. Oh, that's crazy. It's good times. So, Brian, what have you been working on? Oh gosh. Um, so today oh. we finished reassembling TaxScan. Um, last week we um, got a Frogger together, uh, Star Wars together. Um, it's been busy. What about that Omega race? I got two Omega races working. Sold one, and I just threw one outside and said, put a sign saying free on it. You're such a dickhole. (laughs) (laughs) 
Nope, he fixes those. <laughs> it's a big, big sign that just says, "Please get this shit out of my way." <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, I actually, so one of the local, um, one of the local operators came by and, in an ironic twist, said, "Hey, we've sold all of our classic games, and now we have all these events that we're going to, and people are requesting classic games." do you have any classic games you can sell us? And I was like, well, I've got a Frogger and a Star Wars and a Centipede Missile Command, you know, Millipede Machine and an Omega Race. And I expected him to be like, ah, I'll take the Frogger. And he came through and took everything and said, can you get anything else for us? I'm like, yeah, wow. we'll uh, we'll keep working on this. He's like, we have a bank loan. Let's go. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it was, uh, but he. So Adam and I need to talk about his other. There's another machine that he's looking at getting rid of. But um, this guy just kind of like, yeah, I was. I was kind of shocked. I mean, I wasn't asking insane prices, but I definitely wasn't giving discounts. No sure. bro price. No. Yeah. I, I, I kind of like figured he'd try and talk me down, and it's, I shouldn't say this on the air, right? But instead, yeah. he's just like, "Great, like, sounds you good." Bastard. Oh. Hey, the exterminator goes nowhere, Mister Peabody. No matter what Adam says. <laughs> wow. Hands off my exterminator there. <laughs> well, both he and I played it, and we were we were in awe of how wonderful that game is. Not. <laughs> uh, I guess it's my turn. Uh, I bought a Mario Brothers. So what? A Mario Brothers wide body. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah. which you know, it's it's a really fun two player game, and it was sort of Nintendo's answer to Joust, and I've always wanted one, and the price was right, and it was a fellow collector in Grand Rapids, Minnesota, and Fastenal is shipping that bad boy all the way from Grand Rapids to Plymouth for a mere seventy five bucks. Wow. Ooh, oh yeah is that gonna fit down your little staircase into the basement or yeah it's not that much wider oh, okay they added like three inches to the cabinet instead uh, of being 24 it's like 26 or 27 or something so so, so adam three inches makes a difference huh i pff, that's what they say <laughs> that's what they say <laughs> what all of them say it <laughs> oh and okay. then i'm i'm uh i got a millipede I don't know if I said this last time. Did I talk about the millipede board I bought? I bought a millipede board like two months ago, and then it never showed up, and I I forgot about it. Did you guys ever do that? You buy something, and then like on eBay, and then like a month and a half goes by, and you're like, wait a minute. Where the hell is that thing? Oh, yeah. I've done that a few times. So I emailed the guy, and I'm like, so, yeah, I ordered this like two months ago. What's up? And he's like, oh, I'm really sorry. Uh, Yeah, we processed three of those. I see yours didn't go out. I wonder how many people just wait for people not to, you know, notice. Yeah. Store mm. policy where we are, you know. Well, <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> but anyway, I'm joking. I got this. I, I, I'm like, like, <laughs> I got the millipede board because I thought I'm gonna multipede my centipede because I have uh, cabaret centipede. But I think I'm gonna sell my centipede because um, I have two now. And uh, I like the uprights uh, or the full dedicated, so full size dedicated. So I think I'm going to keep that one and uh, retire the cabaret. Huh? Anyone want a, a cabaret centipede for a grand? Well, well for a grand, oh, yeah, already. Well, it's restored. I think, I think we're ready to talk to Matt. Oh yeah, Matt. <laughs> Matt Palpatine. Uh, what are, what are you up to? Oh uh, well. 
usual fixing Sega Vector stuff for folks. I just shipped out four different boxes just a couple days ago, so I've been doing that like crazy. And Sweet. Um, <clears throat> this year, starting in January 1st, 2020, I made a pledge to myself to kind of balance doing that because I get so fixated doing that, folks, with repairing my own games and getting a nice... What? And set up for myself. Believe it or not, I still have mounds of games sitting that are just in various states of disrepair. So I need to get more balance in my life. So do you practice on other people's stuff then? <laughs> Every well, that GOA didn't. I get is a practice because you never know what you're getting into. <laughs> well, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, right. Remind me not to do that on my chassis. <laughs> so, what's the first game that you want to get going of your stuff? Um, well, I've already. So, I had a kind of a two week vacation or three week vacation off of work at the end of the year. So, I already have probably eight or nine games that were not working about a month ago working. So I'm bam starting down the path. Yeah, it's nice. That's like a half year for that's like six months for me. Sweet. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's going to be a year long project, though. I can tell you because right. the ones that were easier to fix. Let's put it that way. Hey, Jason in the chat is saying put the vector peed ROMs in it. I think he's talking about my centipede. Is there vector peed? That'd be kind of fun. It might be. I've never heard of know. that. Anybody else hear that? Uh, I don't know, but I'll Google it. Yeah. Also, Jen said uh-huh. something about liking a cotton candy vending machine. Oh, I've seen those. Those are kind of cool. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. cool. You can put the... Uh, so it just does the vector style image. It's raster, but it makes it look vector. Oh, that's kind of cool. Huh. I might try that. I, I have the means. <laughs> you can also play ducks, too. Ducks huh. in Vector? Oh. Them are not ducks. I don't know. Oh, oh. I did buy a new game. Why? I bought two I, games. Uh, what, uh-huh. what, what game did you buy? I bought a Galaga 88. Oh, that's cool. Ah. So in the dedicated cabinet, and I bought a uh, Omega Race cocktail. Oh yeah, that's, which I missed. I don't mine. Know, don't know why I need another cocktail, but uh, I now own like. <laughs> Every variation of Omega Race. Well, you have to eight of them. (laughs) So Alan, um, MN Rocketry, uh, he used to have all three uh, Omega Races too, and he took a picture. There's four. There's four. There's four. Cabaret. Oh, sorry. Yeah, there's a cabaret. I think he had all four. No, he didn't have the cockpit, but at least he took the dedicated. He took the uh, cabaret and the cocktail, and he took a, 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 a photo. Uh, to match what was on the outside of the flyer. That's oh, hilarious. I think I've seen that. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, that's pretty fun. Yeah. That was years ago. That's when I bought the Omega Race from him, the cocktail. Hey, Jen is asking Matt if he wants her Space Encounters Strobe Flasher for free. Strobe Flasher. Oh, awesome. I love it. Yeah. I, actually, that's one of the games I still have to fix in my lineup. That flash unit nice. needs to be rebuilt. So there I appreciate know. it. Yeah, thank you. Looks like we got a shortcut happening. Sweet. And so uh, Jeff actually said that I should convert the Galaga 88 to a Dragon Spirit. Really sad, quick story. In Hawaii, I had the most beautiful Dragon Spirit ever. It was it looked brand new. And um, I was trying to make some money while I was in residency to pay rent. I had a Dig Dug that I had made an adapter board. I had not hacked the Dig Dug. Made an adapter board, put a 61 in it, had a guy over the house. was trying to sell it to him. He looks at it and he goes, I want the Dragon Spirit. And I said, no, 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 no. Like, this is what I'm selling. Because I want the Dragon Spirit. 
I said, come on, Dig Dug Multicade, 900 bucks, take it. He goes, what do you want for the Dragon Spirit? I'm like, ah, give it like $1,800. He's like, done. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> should have gone higher. Yeah. Always start at 5K. <laughs> yes, nice round number. Hey, does anyone want to buy a centipede uh, cabaret for $5,000? <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's say you scoff, cough. I, like, I would if it Mark had is price policing me. He's price policing me. No one I wants would, a centipede for five thousand dollars. I'd buy it if it had ducks in it, not the ROMs. I want actual ducks in the cab. In the cab, that. living in there. Yeah. ducks. Wow. <laughs> He'll be really upset with the brick, the Atari brick. It takes up so much room, and yeah, but it's probably warm. You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> oh yeah, this is this is nice. This is nice senior. Oh. Okay. Good evening. The arcade news, arcades, pinball, industry alumni, arcade openings, collecting, celebrities, world record holders, operators, coin op, conventions, new products and gadgets, gamers. The arcade news. I'm Brian Buffalo. I'm Adam Stevens. We interrupt the federal interval. And now, the I'm arcade news with Brian McLeod. <laughs> Welcome to the Arcade News. So, uh, Mark did a great job putting the news together today, and I'm going to completely ignore it. Um, <laughs> Why is that? So, I had the opportunity uh, two days ago. Was it two days ago? I can't even remember. This week is insane. Uh, on Monday night, I flew out to Vegas, and I was at CES for a day. So, Stop I got to spend presses. a day wandering around that? CES. What? Nothing. I was just sampling my... Just kept saying. Yeah. Ah, you can keep so, going. Um. While I was out there, I had a chance to see. I don't know if some people saw. I posted on the uh, Paradise Arcade Shop page. Um, Arcade One Up was announcing and showing off their new cabinets. They had uh, their pinball cabinet was in a box, wasn't out for display. What? It had little stickers over like the. It had these stickers on there that said like "rights not acquired" over like a couple of the names on there, which is pretty funny. Really? Like "rights not acquired" yet? And um, I got to see their Star Wars cockpit. That was interesting. What? Have you guys seen that? I did. It's, yeah, so they, it, they basically a built a chair that attaches to the front. So it, it looks kind of like a, it slides away from it. So you can, it, it, it marries up to it when you push it. But when you pull it out, it looks kind of like a cock, cockpit, but it's really just a chair. And, and, the, and the comment was made to me, like, you know, so somebody asked, like, you know, how do you sit in that if you're an adult? And I kind of responded with, how do you sit in the original one if you're an adult? I mean, <laughs> like, you're cramming yourself into a Star Wars. I, I love the cockpit. Don't get me wrong. Like, right. Playing on the 2050 Amplifone is awesome. But mm-hmm. getting into that and out of that machine is not easy if you're over, like, 5'4". Yeah. It's, so, it's really kind of low, too. Out of it. It's so yeah. low. You now, know. now, have you guys played the Star Wars, the arcade one-up Star Wars? I have not. No. I hear so, good things. I, I hear good things. So it, I actually didn't mind. Um, so I, I played it. And on the on the home console, I can usually get through the advanced mode. I'm not great at the game. But I can usually get all the way through the first level on advanced, then get like through the second level pretty easily. And the third level, I like, just get destroyed. I mean, it's like, just stop touching the controllers. You're done. Right. And on the on the unit they were playing, I I enjoyed it, but I felt like it wasn't as responsive as the arcade one is. Like I kept shooting, and I'm like, how have I not hit these things? Yeah, I heard um, there's a I don't tiny know if they bit had of it set to a different mode yeah. or trooper mode. I heard there's a tiny bit of lag. So it, 
it felt like that. I yeah. mean, I feel like on the advanced mode, I could get around and get the um, get the X wings or get the Tie Fighters, get the X wings. Really, don't uh, kill the, your own guys. Yeah, I know, I know. But <laughs> uh, and on and on the one up cabinet, I had a hard time with it. They also had the Burger Time cabinets out that had uh, a few other games on them. And then uh, what else did they show while I was there? Was, oh, they had the NBA Jam. Was really funny is they're making a huge deal. With this like giant NBA jam machine, and there was nobody touching it. <laughs> like it's like <laughs> the whole front of the booth, and they've got this like big thing laid out for like you have to get in line to get on this machine, and, and there was nobody there. Oh man, I think it's regional. There's people that uh, see the NBA jam that we uh, have put in uh, this brewery, and uh, by we I mean not me but Aaron, and uh, it's always got people playing it. I think it's just basically. Who's there? What? Who's talking? Uh, hold on one second. Somebody's. Hold on. The the uh, sports wait, games. Wait. Sports oh, games it's... actually work really well. I mean, they in arcades, uh, people love to play them, especially if it's a one-on-one situation. So I, I don't see it being a problem. Uh, I would like to see them do Dragon's Lair because, um, I don't want to buy one of those things. It's too expensive. Yeah. But I'm, I guess I'm. I don't. I don't think I'd ever buy a one up anyway. I'm. I have the the DVD version of uh, Dragon Slayer. Uh, Dragon Slayer. That's good enough for me. So I also got to see the uh, Stranger Things pinball, which I know has been released, but they had the a premium version there. Interesting thing about that is they have that awesome video showing the projection on the like targets and right. the movie screen, which is gorgeous, right? I mean, like yeah. it looks awesome in the video. I can tell you if you're buying one of these machines and it's in a well-lit room, it is going to look terrible. Because oh, no. on the showroom floor, you can see the movie screen, you can see the targets, and you can see nothing else. Hmm. Like all the ramp decals and everything they had on there, um, it it was useless. Like oh, you, you just you couldn't even see the the projection on there. So that's too bad. Um, but the screen was fun. The game was the game played well. I mean, I'm not a pinball aficionado. I'm not like an expert in it. I had fun with it. It seemed like a good time. It felt like a standard Stern. Sure. Um, the flippers were very clicky, you know, is how what I say about it. It didn't have that, you know, very analog. I don't know. Some of the, I, I don't. I feel like Stern has kind of almost got this detached feeling between when you press the button and the flipper. It's not. It doesn't. It doesn't have that solid mechanical feel anymore. And this game was in line with a lot of their other games, but it was. It was a good time. So here's a question for you: um, gimmick or innovation on that screen? What do you think? I I actually really like it. I thought it was a great idea, and I think the attempt to execute it was interesting. The question is, uh, you know, was I playing on a an early version of it that doesn't have enough projection strength, or because mm. I mean, you couldn't see anything on the ramps, like just nothing. Yeah, mm. that's unfortunate. Mm. Yeah, I wonder, you know, why they didn't like put some reflective material on the ramps to have it light up when the Pico projector shoots at it. And and you might find mods where they where people upgrade the projectors so that they're brighter. Well they they did have reflective material on there, just it didn't have the strength oh. to actually get up okay. to that level. And well, so you could see you could see the drop targets and that was really cool. And you could see the screen and that was really neat. It's a um, pretty open play field too, isn't it? Yeah, it's really open, but I like open play fields. Like, those are the games I enjoy. So, yeah. for me, that was great. For some people, they look at it and go, you know, what the hell is this? And I will say, the uh, multi ball feature where you hit it up and it like launches up and then it just sticks to the back wall. 
That's that pretty was cool. Aw- I mean, when you see that in person, that yeah. was just freaking awesome. It that's, was like, that's oh, innovation. Oh, gosh. I mean, no one's ever done that before. Yeah, no, and what was neat about it is that ramp is used for other things, but when you activate multiball, there's a little launch that goes up. So you hit it up the ramp, and you're almost not expecting it, and all of a sudden it just shoots out and stops. I mean, it was <laughs> it, it was really well executed. That I, I really cool. enjoyed. Sweet. So um, other things at the show that were interesting, um, there's a, a little device called the Wow Cube I really got a kick out of. It's kind of this handheld Rubik's Cube. Instead of three by three, it was a two by two uh, Rubik's cube, but all of the facets of it, all the faces, were LCD screens, and so they could play games or you could rotate this around. What was really neat is so it's made up of eight cubes, right, assembled into one. Sure. Each one of those eight cubes is autonomous, so you could take any one of the eight cubes off, and it operates on its own. When you snap it together, they all communicate, and it's this Rubik's cube type device. Very cool. Um, the guys that did that, they're launching in two to three months. Um, I was trying to get them into the store. I, it, like, it was really, really a neat device, about $250. Um, but basically, it's like an iPad puzzle because you can put it down, use it as an alarm clock. You can take it with you. Have, I mean, it does all sorts of, like, little things for you. Huh. Um, What's that called again? It was called the Wow Cube. The Wow so if you, Cube. Yeah. If you search for it, there's a terrible video. The, guy, the guys that made it are obviously Russian. <laughs> and they made this video with these kids introducing it in English. And the whole, like, theme behind it is these aliens brought this technology to Earth and they're sharing it with them and they reverse engineered it. It's kind of a cute idea of a story, but it – I mean, my it, the execution was terrible. Uh-huh. The product was awesome. I thought you were gonna say there's a guy in the background going, "No, with more with more feeling," you know, <laughs> probably in a, before the voice in a so. Russian accent, but okay. You must and, get what most in squirrel. The, yes. the poor kid has this like, yeah, this ponytail that is just yeah, it was bad. <laughs> well, come see my was, Cuba. I do think you will like it. So um, there's another uh, competitor to um, uh, kind of a competitor. To the one-up cabinets coming out um, called iArcade or Arcade. I couldn't figure out which it was. Um, instead of doing cabarets sitting on a pedestal, it was bar top sitting on a taller pedestal. Um, nothing really interesting there. And then almost the entire rest of the show was VR. I mean, VR is just like, hmm. for arcade stuff, was just like everywhere. It was interesting. all over the place. Um, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say... Um... Mark, were you here in the 90s when American Sports Bar was around? Yes. I mean, do, I existed. Do you what remember? Are you to say? <laughs> <laughs> do, you re- do you guys remember the uh, the VR setup they had in there? These giant rings, and you had the headset on, and you get into the ring with like, it had like, and I'm sure they had these around the country, but it was like a giant ring that went around you so you wouldn't walk off the platform. And then it was essentially like a Mech Warrior game. So you put on the, the oh. headset. And you'd walk around and try to shoot stuff, and you just look ridiculous in front of yeah, everybody at the bar. Was the name of the company? What was that? Uh, virtuality, I think, was the name of the oh, company. Yeah, well, ah. I, I remember those. I, I'm from Chicago, and they had them in the one shopping mall I used to go to. And yeah. when this came out, there was a huge line to try them, and yeah, that was wow. great. And they were ridiculously slow and laggy and not fun. Yes. It was just like, why would you ever do this again? I think, and it wasn't cheap. It was like it was a couple bucks to play it. Yeah, so. I will say so. Mr. Peabody got it right. It is I I Arcade is this new arcade game thing. Um, I will say, not to take away from the virtuality discussion. Yeah, 
the controls on this thing were absolutely terrible. And when I asked the guy about the controls, if anybody, I, I know nobody here is going to be interested in it. When I asked the guy about the buttons, I said, what are these buttons? He said, they're Sanwa compatible. What brand are they? He's like, they're the top brand. They're Sanwa compatible. Well, Sanwa is <laughs> the fighting game. Well, Sanwa is the fighting game brand. There is a Chinese knockoff, which I'm pretty sure these were. They wouldn't show me the underneath the control panel. Right. That are just miserably terrible buttons. And so the controls in this thing were actually worse than the one-up controls when they first came out. Wow. wow. Yeah, I guess wow. one-up has really uh, upped their game, too. Uh, they're, putting, they're putting nicer monitors into the new uh, one-ups. Um, and obviously they built a yoke, and they're shipping the Star Wars cabinet with the riser. So um, <laughs> they're kind of starting yeah. to figure out their audience is, is not like a ten, you know, an eight- or well, nine-year-old one- kid. Well, one of the things that hit me actually when I was looking at the one-up cabinets is: have you guys ever seen the like kid cabinets, like the the little kid cabinets they have in Japan, where they yeah. not, it wasn't a cabaret? Like, I mean, they really struck me as being very similar to that. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. anyways, Let's see, Brian Frober saying Sanwa buttons, just use them. Like I, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I won't disagree. I've got like a wall of them in the shop. So yeah, um, and I mean, it, it's you know, and, and I will tell you that they are two fifty a piece retail. The price on those comes down quite a bit wholesale. So these guys that are using these Chinese buttons, these Chinese buttons, if you buy them wholesale, you can buy them for twenty cents a piece. Sure, that gives you an idea of the energy and the effort and the cost they're putting in these cabinets. You know, it's terrible. So, anyways, um, anything else interesting at the show? Uh, there was a big CNET article or whatever on they are allowing more sex toys at the show. So there was a build your own vibe booth for anybody interested. <laughs> oh, I missed out on that. Um, and oh, that's uh, hilarious. Sony introduced their electric car at the show. That was kind of interesting. Oh. Was that one of the sex toys? I'm not it, sure. I'm not sure. Maybe the back seat had a little vibration uh-huh. or something. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Yikes. L- the Sony car. I will say the LG 8K, like, um, you know, 200 monitor wall that you like see these pictures of that they show where it's got like the curved screens. Like when you see the movie on YouTube, it's really impressive in person. That thing's unbelievable. Like it's just stunning. Um, and I did get to see the, I think it was 212 inch or 220 inch, uh, 8k, uh, TV. And the one other thing I'll bring up right now, um, is they have one of the companies, I can't remember who it was now, is releasing uh, TV wallpaper. Oh. It's three millimeter thick, sixty inch screens that you like can put on your wall like wallpaper. <laughs> and they're they're they don't have edges, so you can assemble and grid them and you know do that. Anyways, yeah, interesting, so, crazy. There we go. I mean, it was a blast. So, so anybody question. who can go to the show, I, it's it was a lot of fun. Wait, did they, the did they talk about Onyx at all? I guess it's consumer electronics. Onyx is actually like a 42 foot samsung screen that's in only like three or four theaters right now have you heard of that no i haven't it's crazy yeah there's no projector you just go to the theater and then it's just 42 feet it's I mean, gigantic they had this tree with like flexible screens on it that was kind of cool where the screens oh, wow. are hanging off at like these i mean it, it, obviously the, the things that are coming with tvs are thin screen flexible screen large screen Wow. I mean, those are the, you know, they had the like whole screen drops down in and like 72 inch screens that pop up out of a box. Mm-hmm. Um, they had the crystal clear screens where you like see right through them and then TV comes on. 
Um, you know, all sorts of kind of neat stuff. Hmm. So, question in the chat: uh, What kind of buttons are uh, we're at the vibe booth? (laughs) I didn't. I didn't go into the vibe bus. It was like this bus you go into, and it was like create your own vibrator. (laughs) So, so I guess I mean, in all like seriousness, not seriousness, kind of laughing, whatever. I guess sex toys have been avoided at CES for a while. Yeah. And I'm like walking around. I'm going through the family section. There's like literally the the like kid section, like health section, and then you walk around the corner, and it's not hidden. You just kind of like you're going down the aisle, and all of a sudden you're like vibrator sex life section. <laughs> like it is like funny. oh hello. <laughs> <laughs> what were the booth people like there? That's what I want to know. <laughs> you know they were better in some of the other sections. I think I they they figured they didn't have to draw in the crowd in those sections. Mm. Um, I. Oh, you got cut off. Back <laughs> cut off. I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Back, back to the, to cave. the cave. With, with time runner. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational, the Earth's gravitational pull? pull? Yes, Doc, there is a problem with that gravitational pull, and we're going to have a little discussion about it, talking about arcade games in the 1980s. Uh, as usual, in season four, we're going to listen to a little clip, uh, a vintage <laughs> clip from the 80s. And then we'll remark on it and say funny things about it, or just say that it wasn't that good, and then move on. All right. Oh, so and I, Adam, and Adam, go ahead. I'm gonna roll the clip. He's gonna roll it. Live. It was Space Invaders. Now all different forms of the game are storming the market and taking a big chunk out of the pinball machine business. The object of most of these games is to blow the enemy up before it blows you up, and their popularity stems from their complexity. You're you're playing against a machine. It's uh, it's really hard to. Uh, I guess it's maybe you're trying to do better uh, every time you come in than what you did the time before. It's, it's, a, it's a challenge to do something, and when it's, it's raining outside and you don't have nothing to do, you can do something here. Some players take out their aggressions on the machines, often with a particular person in mind. This can't beat on the machines because, you know, you get in trouble and stuff like that. But I spend a lot of money in here. I spend about $5 or so. <laughs> every day? Every day. Manufacturers of pinball machines are trying to meet the competition with games like these, where you play three balls at one time. But one Columbia distributor says a video explosion can't be stopped. In the next decade, playing all pinball machines may be a rare sight. Sandy Mason, New Scene 20. So that's that's interesting, that predicting the, the death of pinball. All right. Sure. And they show some guys like humping onto the machines. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> no. I want. I, I. I don't think the the sound was in sync on that very well. So maybe we'll just have to do a YouTube capture next time or something. But uh, it was effective, right? Yeah. You could hear yeah. it. You could see it. So, but yeah, that's. Uh, anyone have any comments on that, or we, or you know. What, are we all just kind of like, yep, that's what happened? I, li- I like how they found like some criminal kid. They're like, uh, you know, I'd be outside killing people, but now I'm here. <laughs> and then the other the other guy, oh, you know, it's raining, so I'm inside here playing games because I don't <laughs> like rain. Well, that girl is like, <laughs> I just, I'm always astounded at the amount of money that people spent in arcades. So and, much money, five dollars. Well, five dollars today is like eleven dollars. That was like three hours of work. Yeah. Or an hour minimum wage. 250 back in 1982. I don't know. Yeah, that was probably 81 or 82 because there was like a Sprint 2 in there. And so Tempest was what, 81? 
Mm, or was yeah. it 80? Yeah, 81. No, not 80. Yeah. So it had to have been, I don't know. I, don't know. I think Battlezone was 80. Yeah. It's got the same math board, actually, I think, or similar. Yeah. What do you what do you think of that thing, Matt? Well, I can only hear it. I can't see it. I don't know if I'm right. the right thing, but uh, <laughs> I think I've seen that clip before. I'm vaguely recall. It's, I don't know. It's just kind of funny. You think like, you know, back when all this stuff was popular, all these news media outlets and stuff always had these very angled stories. Probably get parents all riled up about why they shouldn't let their kids. It's so know, weird. Like the majority of the clips that we played this year have had a negative connotation with yeah. arcades. Well, I mean, you know, that, that, same, that same kind of journalism, that uh, uh, outrage journalism, can, you know, it, it never really started. It's always been around. So right. there are, like last week we had people who invested in certain arcade games, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, anybody who buys the game is an, ar- an investor. Sure. And, and then the, the games ended up sucking and nobody played them. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I spent $3,000 and nobody wanted to play my Space Invaders clone. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. That's... That was like an 11-minute interview, though. We couldn't make it past three minutes on that. Do you guys notice there's a bed up against the wall in Brian's office? Oh, there's a mattress there. <laughs> it's kind of weird. I want to get a mattress and put it Maybe you know, he sleeps in a vertical position. Like or, a vampire. He's yeah, got a back problem? I don't know. I, know. I don't know. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I can go get a mattress right now and just put it right back here. But this is my segment, so I can't leave. <laughs> hey. Yeah? Uh, do you know Do you know what's in the juke? What's in the juke? <laughs> Welcome to What's in the Juke, where we play a little bit of an old song and then hope that people in chat recognize it. And if they don't, we'll give Matt a chance. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Matt will be able to listen in real time, and the people on the chat will have a slight delay. So while we wait for them to give their responses, uh, let me tell you a little bit about the rules here. If you get the artist right, you will get a half point. Half point. If you get the title and the artist right, that's a full point. Full point. Yes, and of course there will be fighting. Nice. <laughs> it's like we planned that or something. Yeah, I think we've done this a couple times. <laughs> so uh, we're ready for the first clip. Yeah. All right, let's roll. Oh Great. yeah. Just wanted to start it off nice and smooth. Like that. That's nice. Yeah. Should we do it again? All right. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Fober says, no idea. Sorry, Brian Fober. Mellencamp is me. not correct. It was not Mellencamp. But that was a good oh, guess. Randy Gelkin got um, the artist Southern, uh, well, the song's title, Southern Cross. He also got the, I mean, he abbreviated but he got the oh, artist. He did. Yep. So DS- I think we have to give him a full point. point. <laughs> <laughs> Randall Gelking in the lead. All right. Uh, he's off to a good start. All right. Let's, next track. Here we go. Oh, yeah. I like your vector. What? <laughs> oh, you cut me off. What's your vector, Victor? 
Roger, Roger. That's the name of this episode. What's <laughs> What's your vector, Victor? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Keep Forgetting, and it is Michael McDonald. It looks like Andy Baldwin. Andy got Baldwin the got the track, and the oh, he gets both. So he All gets right. a full point. Full point. Full point. So many vector guys in in the show tonight. Yeah. All right. Here comes the next track. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. a hard one. I, you think so? I know that yeah. one right right away. Yeah. <laughs> Regulate. I like a good laugh. You're like ha ha ha. Oh. <laughs> Randy Gelking pulls it out with Eye in the Sky. And then uh, Ryan follows it up with the Alan Parsons Project. And so those guys share a half point. That's awesome. There's some good fighting going on. This is close match today. All right. Here comes the next clip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like that Star Wars. What's that? Yeah. That's, uh, I think somebody will get it. So, you know, these are, this is, this is actually the songs that are in this. Oh, the girl is mine. Jeff Willard is on the board with a half point. <laughs> half point. All right. And Andy Bowman. Oh, and he got the, he got the artist. Full point. For Jeff Willard. Is that correct? Somebody back me up on that. Trying to do two things at once. Uh, let's see. Girls mine. Jeff Willard, you got that. Michael Jackson admit Yes. That's Jeff awesome. Willard, full point. Right. Hey, is is Ryan S fifteen hundred? He is. Yeah. S fifteen hundred. Yep. Sorry about that. And I probably just gave away his name again, like for like the umpteenth time. He's Damn like, it, sorry. Ryan. My name. I mean S fifteen hundred. S fifteen hundred. S fifteen hundred. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Well, good job, Randy. You're in the you're in the top. You're in the beginning. All right. So lead. so far we've had Southern Cross. Uh, I keep forgetting. Eye in the sky. The girl's mine. And here's your next track. I think this one's hard. Isn't this a like a cover? It is. Us. Uh, Brian Frober got the artist. It is Phil Collins, and Wait. S fifteen hundred gets the other half point. Half point for the title. No, Can't. Joe Drosen got Phil Collins before Brian did. Did he? He did. Oh, Just look I'm up a sorry, little. Sorry, Brian. Uh, Joe, welcome to the game. Welcome. <laughs> you get a half point. Half point. And uh, the fighting continues. So let's uh, do the next track. Good. <laughs> I know we've had this track on here in the past, but it's such a good track. I saw this guy play at a tiny, tiny, baby little club in Philadelphia once. Colin and a. it was so small, you... Yes. Yep. <laughs> S1500 just got the point, by the way, I think. Oh, he did? Yep. The full point? Yeah, the full point. Full point. That, he put, that puts him in the lead. He's got both of them. I should maybe give something away this time. I I have something. Hold on, let me. All right. Let me go. Oh, go play a song and I'll get you something. All right. Here comes the next track, uh, ladies and gentlemen. And I hope you're entertained, Matt. 
<laughs> I'm a guessing song, so yeah. I'm, Are you? Do you have the chat open so you can see all this nonsense going on? I don't. I just have the Skype open. I should open up the other thing. If, if you want to keep track of these these uh, contestants and uh, what the, they may ask you questions too. Although we'll, right. we'll release them. But you, you know, it's arcaderadio.live if you want to tune in. So. And just make sure your volume's turned down because you'll get an echo. But, uh, you know, but that's okay. Am I, am I giving this away? No, I'm not giving this away. Let me. <laughs> Mark is now looking for something to give away. Okay. Uh, here comes your next track. <laughs> no, that one, but I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> You got something? All right. And uh, I'm so excited. That was Brian Frober. Oh, Andy Baldwin was just a, just a tick ahead. And that is by the Pointer Sisters. Ryan gets a half point. Andy Baldwin gets a half point. Okay, uh, adding that. All right. So. Oh, wait, does this mean Brian Frober is on the church? He's finally on the thing. No, it's Andy That's Andy great. Baldwin got that half point. He was just a titch before Brian. So, oh, I see. And half, who got the other half point? point? Uh, Ryan actually with the oh Ryan yeah. oh you mean S fifteen hundred got it yep S fifteen hundred that's what I meant so tonight tonight we're playing for a comfy throw a comfy throw that's what it says comfy throw I keep reading but I'm like sure. it doesn't get any better every time I read it okay but it's a Darth Vader comfy throw can oh. you see oh it's is it one of those onesies <sighs> you wear uh, kind of. It's like a blanket with, with uh, sleeves for you to put your arm through, yes. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Walk around naked, but just wearing Darth Vader's <laughs> costume. Don't send us any pictures once you get it. <laughs> oh, that's great, especially for Minnesotans. There you go. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> and, Ch- and Chicagoites. <laughs> Chicagans. Chicagans. All right, here comes your next track. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Brian. God. Dang, Ryan, it's amazing. Moly. You're gonna be walking around in this Darth Vader <laughs> underwear right away. <laughs> Full point. For Ryan uh, that's just awesome. S fifteen hundred, another point. It's a tight, tight match tonight. Oh, that was yeah, that, and, and who was that exactly? What song? Oh yeah, Don Henley. So, "Dirty Laundry." Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Uh, and here comes your next track. <laughs> wow. wow there was not I have no idea <laughs> no beat no beat oh we're getting no some predict. feedback you're gonna have to mute your youtube channel uh, so uh yeah anyway uh that was i ran by a flux singles uh, mark who got it uh ryan got the title and brian fober uh, got oh. wait flock of seagulls so uh ryan got the Artists and okay. Brian Fober got the title. I ran. All right, half point for each of those guys. That's Locked pretty. Singles. All right, so this is the the last track. Uh, here we go. Again. 
OK? OK. <laughs> you think that was enough? <laughs> Andy Baldwin, sexual healing, and Brian Frober, and Ryan, and Casey. <laughs> Thanks, Casey. <laughs> Casey's here. What the heck? He's just sitting there. He's... <laughs> He's just waiting for who got Nobody the artist. Nobody has said the artist yet. Uh, it is not Barry, Barry White. White. That is incorrect. That is incorrect. It's the other guy. <laughs> it's the other guy. I'll give you a hint. I think his dad killed him. Anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> Marvin Gaye, Andy Baldwin. And, so we got a half go, point Andy. for both half those guys. Point. All right, cool. Well, why don't you tell him up, Mark? Let us know who won. That Ryan, uh, S1500, a.k.a. Ryan, f- uh, four points. <laughs> and if uh, you don't want it, uh, Andy Baldwin is the the backup, the secondary. Sure. With 2.5 points. And then Randy Gelking, third place, 1.5. Jeff Willard, fourth place, with just one point. And Joe Drosen and Brian Fober in dreary fifth place with just a half point <laughs> each. Well, Ryan, to claim Thank your, you, gentlemen. Your, Thank you for coming back to the 80s with us. To claim your prize, you know, uh, drop us a line on the Facebook uh, Arcade Radio page, or you can send me an email at adam at arcaderadio.com, uh, and I will I will forward the information on to Mark. Yes. Uh, okay, so uh, that brings us to, to uh, I guess we have to see if there's any calls in the hopper, and there is a call for... Oh, right. I don't know how. I mean, I don't... You think it's you one? You, it's you one didn't call. Pre- screen this call. You have no I, idea what it's about. No, I have no idea. Have, so, so we're just gonna let it go. Here we go. Thank you for calling six one two five four eight game. This is Arcade Radio. Please leave your message after the tone. Hey, Arcade Radio, stranger guys. <laughs> Bob's Arzadek, control panel expert and technician. Did you know that? <laughs> Hey, uh, so I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm a little busy right now. Uh, you know, remember I told you I live in uh, 10 shipping containers? Well, now I live in uh, 20 shipping containers. <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess Walmart had some extra, and they stacked them on top of my old shipping containers. So I've been, like, drilling and, you know, doing stuff to make holes and things. And, hey, hey. Don't, don't, don't get, don't go down there, okay? Anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's what, that's what I've been doing. It's not very funny, but, uh, you know, hey, what's, what's, what's going on? I've got some more room for my control panel collection. Uh, you know what? I've never talked about that. Huh. Well, you know, what's, uh, what's my rarest control panel? Uh, you know, I have one from an elevator from 1910. Um, I don't happen to also have that elevator there, but, you know, it takes too much. But, you know, for example, It's like double. Yeah, he was kind of schizophrenic there. I don't know. So she's in a double wide now outside of his uh, Walmart. <laughs> was it 20 wide or a double wide? Well, <laughs> 20 wide. Double, double high, I guess. Double high. It's like the uh, what the, the stacks in uh, Ready Player One. Right. Right. There we right. go. Uh, 
This is the part where we interview our guest. Welcome again to the show, Matt Genesek. Yes. Got it right. <laughs> Happy to be here. Thanks for su- thanks for pulling through the last hour. <laughs> I like that. Were you entertained? That's the that's the you know. Uh, yes, I was actually entertained. I like the I like the music. That's, oh, good. It's good. We uh we we did that so we don't get sued. So let's uh, have you introduce yourself and tell us what you do for a living just to get things rolling. Sure. Um, so for a living, my full time job is um, I'm a I'm chemical, my background is in chemical engineering and I support a twenty four seven manufacturing operation for insulin purification. So. Um, I'm in the biotech field, and I do that kind of, you know, nine to five, Monday through Friday, and um, been doing that for probably 15, 16 years by now. So, wow, uh, yeah. So this arcade stuff I do evenings and weekends to kind of break the monotony of sure. that stuff. You sure. know, nice. Yeah, I think we all have boring day jobs. Well, boring-ish. I I work in biometrics, so not biomedical, but. Uh, um, so it's it's a it's a it's a life. Yeah, I shouldn't say it's boring. I mean, it's it's interesting, but it's just you know it's um, a lot yeah. of regulations and things like that you have to follow. So sure. like rules, rules, and yeah. sometimes it gets a little. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you do the same. Oh, you know, you, yeah. So um, usually we kick off the the the, the interview with a uh, a poignant question that Mark loves to ask. So I'm going to let Mark ask you this next question. All right. Okay. Our standard poignant question is, what is your video game origin story, or under what circumstances did you first become hooked on arcade slash video games? Well, I'll tell you. Actually, I have kind of an interesting maybe story. Um, so hmm. um, so I'm, I'm 37. I was born in 1982. So I'm kind of – when I, people know that about me, they're like, well, why do you like all these old games and stuff? That was kind of like, you know, 10 years before your time or whatnot. Sure. So kind of two things at a very young age, I do remember going to, I think my very first experience of seeing an arcade game in person was, um, the Sears store at our local mall had like a little, like a cafeteria where you could eat. And then like right next to it had a little, a game room with some vending machines and a couple games. And it had a, um, cockpit uh, pole position and for whatever reason i was oh. like infatuated with that i could barely reach the pedals or the steering wheel or whatever but i always begged to play that whenever we went shopping so um that was my first kind of you know maybe arcade experience and then as i got a little bit older and i wanted i really really wanted to have some kind of a video game at home i like computers and things like that and um that was probably by the mid to semi-late 80s and the NES was already out so I really wanted that but my parents were like oh that's kind of expensive this this and that so they must have found an Atari 7800 that was on sale somewhere bought it whoa yeah and it came with pole position Miss Pac-Man Galaga and Asteroids and I played the crap out of (laughs) every waking moment like during summer break and stuff so I was sort of you know, that's sort of the games I grew up on because that's what I had. And so, you know, fast forward 30 some years or whatever, I find those, I guess, golden age games to be very interesting. So here I am today. Nice. nice. Uh, that's uh, and, and it being a 7800 sort of is like 
such the quality is so much higher than say a twenty six hundred. Exactly. And yeah. the cool thing was all of my friends that still had they had a bunch of twenty six hundred cartridges. <laughs> right. They could come over and play them, so it was it was a great time. <laughs> nice. Yeah, the Galaga port on that for the seventy eight hundred is pretty decent. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Um, so, do you do you have any favorite arcades, or was it really just Sears? Well, that uh, there uh, when we used to go to Pizza Hut, I always wanted to play the cocktail Miss Pac Man in the little waiting area. Oh, that's so great. awesome! Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and another kind of semi interesting thing, I never got to go in it just because I guess I wasn't allowed or whatnot, but not too far from my house, maybe a 10, 15-minute drive from my house. You guys remember the story of um, the kid that walked up and played Berserk and he had some kind of you know, heart attack or something like that and dropped dead after Oh, the- no. Yeah, so if you Google it, there's, there's a whole like story written up on it. He had some kind of pre-existing medical condition, right. but... There was this like urban legend that like the berserk was you know cursed or something like that. I, didn't, I had no idea about that until later when I was older. And once I started reading the story, I'm like, it was Friar Tuck's game room in either Calumet City or Lansing, Illinois. I can't remember, but that was on the way to that mall where the Sears was, and we would drive by all the time. And oh. I never got to go in there, but it was a pretty cool, uh, cool arcade if you look at photos and stuff. So. Dang. I wonder if there was like some kind of a, you know, because when you die in Berserk, it flashes. Maybe there's like an epilepsy situation in that. But or may, yeah, something like that. That's before the warnings, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Uh, good times. I mean, oh, that's sad. So was there ever a time when you stopped playing arcade games when you were going? Like, so you started, you got hooked on them. Did they just like catch and go or? So I had, so like I said, I had the 7800. I eventually got an NES. Um, played that kind of into the early to mid nineties. Then I sort of, I don't know, as maybe I grew up, I sort of stopped playing games both at home and, you know, out in the arcades. And uh, I don't know, it was kind of weird. I guess I got too involved with school and a job and stuff like that. And then I guess being separated, separated from it for so long, then it was like, Oh, my mom has this box full of all my old Atari stuff. And I started playing that again and got interested in it. And then, um, Gosh, this is probably going back now, maybe six, seven years ago. I never thought, you know, at this time I thought, surely all these like original cabinets are like, they can't be around that many be around anymore. We all in a landfill somewhere. But I'm like, I would really like to have a couple of them for my house. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I started getting on Facebook and whatnot and discovered Clove and all these different forums. And there I was like, oh my God, you can actually still buy these things. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nice. Started getting into those, and then I sort of put the game, the console gaming stuff, to the side, and uh, sort of went from there. I think then, that's kind of how it goes for a lot of us. You know, we yeah, all get into the consoles, right. just, and then you find oh, yourself buying the same Midway collection over and over again. <sighs> I abandoned my console collection in 1991, I think. Oh, good for Never you. looked back. Yeah. So, what was your first game, Matt? What was your what? What was your first game that you you collected? Oh, actual full size. Yeah, full size game. It was actually a cabaret uh, Pac Man. Was oh, the first okay. one I picked up. Nice. Do you remember what you paid for it? Um, I think I paid six fifty for it, and that was around twenty in twenty thirteen, maybe. Okay. Yeah, so it was all right, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we all consider our first buy uh, more expensive than we would pay. <laughs> not, not me 
Uh, well, six fifty is actually pretty. For fifty bucks. What's what? Exevious, fifty bucks. Bam. Xevious? Ah, that's a good buy. It's, it's not Xevious. It's just no. Xevious. I think it's just no. Xevious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Stanley screwed everyone over with Xavier. Oh, that's probably why. Yeah. So it's it it's yeah. You don't say xylophone, you know. Why not? Because you just don't. <laughs> Exacto knife. <laughs> uh, I think there's an E on that. I don't think there is. Check it's it just out. a big X. So, um, what was your second game? You said you picked up a couple. Um. Oh yeah. So that yeah. So Pac-Man was the first, and then maybe. Couple months after that, I picked up. Um, well, I originally thought it was a like a dedicated Dig Dug cabaret, but it was actually a Tempest cabaret that somebody kind of hodgepodge made up really? at Dig Dug um, because I really like Dig Dug. And at this time, actually, I was living in a small condo, and it's like, well, I can only have you know four or five of these things, and I was going more for the cabarets. But sure. yeah, that was the second game I picked up. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Start small. I actually, mine was a cocktail and then a cabaret. My first two were. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Mark, what you like to ask this question? You ask this question. Who are your heroes in the arcade collecting Maybe hobby? Maybe you should specify what a hero means. Yeah. What does that mean? A hero is somebody who comes to your house and then gives you a really <laughs> firm hug. <laughs> No, wait. Who cleans their study for your show and bleaches their hair just for you. Wait, let me re-ask this question. Um, I didn't even know I had a study. Who inspires you? Like, you know, I'm sure you saw stuff on the YouTubes when you first got into the hobby. And maybe a John Jacobson got in there somewhere or something, you know. (laughs) What did you get? What happened to you? You know, actually, I, I... if I think back to so so here's kind of kind of going back to when I got those first two games. Sure. Like even though I have like an engineering background, honestly, like when I was in school, I wasn't paying any attention to like circuits and electrical engineering and stuff like that. And I had no idea. I would open that up. I look at this big circuit board thing that's doing all this complicated stuff, and I'm never going to figure this stuff out. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I really like to you know maybe buy some cheap games and try to fix them myself. But then I like had no idea where to start. And so, you know, then I started Googling stuff and YouTubing stuff. And um, yeah, believe it or not, John's Arcade was one of the first ones I stumbled upon. Oh, uh, the hell you and, say. <laughs> yeah, and I started watching it. And, uh, you know, I, I guess it was a kind of a good way to sort of glide into things. Yes. <laughs> put it that way, you know, it's not a very intense repair channel <laughs> no not at all like what i love about rk jason's channel is he draws the diagram on the fly for you I'm like holy shit yes. now i'm you know he's forcing me to right. learn this shit yeah 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 and yeah. Converse, conversely john gets in there and is like i don't know how to do this he doesn't know anything right and, yeah <laughs> and half the time he shocks himself we just a few times ago if, if i have an engineering degree i should at least be this good <laughs> like you're the base level. <laughs> no offense to John, because I think we all looked at his videos we early loved, on. We all loved John. The, the other yeah, thing yeah. that's really funny, which I swear to God, last Saturday a couple of my friends had never seen uh, any of his videos, and so I said, 
Let's watch the the Journey Brown Paint episode. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is a classic. And the, yeah, <laughs> well, but, that's great. I, I I think I remember watching that when it first came out. And when he first opened it, I'm like, that is thinking to myself. There's no way that's blue, <laughs> you know. And then he's like, it, stirring like, it, hoping it, it turns <laughs> blue. <laughs> Uh, it's good times good times yeah so. hey speaking of where adam sorry sidebar but yeah, yeah. is your journey done are you, are you finished with it no i uh, i stalled out i have all the parts uh, except for the control panel needs to be uh <coughs> done and except for the plaque saying dedicated to brand armitage <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll revisit this at another time yeah so. no i'm about to start episode 35 of my journey restore and uh <laughs> so <laughs> After the brown sparkle paint was removed, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's on hold. So I've got other things that are way lower hanging fruit until summer rolls around. So, but that's going to take me two years because that stupid. I got to find a welder, a local welder, or send it out to somebody or something, or just make them. But well, no. so actually, uh, we should chat because I have the I have a Star Wars panel we need to patch a hole in. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, if we can find somebody, and then uh, and I, I was actually going to just try next door and see if anybody had some recommendations for like a local guy that does spot welding or something. But Mr. P- Mr. Peabody can weld. Sweet. Uh, we need to get together. <laughs> so, okay. all right. So back to our guest. Matt's like, what these guys? They're not talking to me. They don't understand. So, <laughs> all right. So. What was your first vector game? First vector game. Um, so I ended up picking up a, a complete Tempest uh, it, kind of early on, just because I got a good deal on it. Sure. Uh, did not work. I mean, it, the whole thing was just in a yeah. – all the parts were there, but it was just wiring's a mess and stuff like that. So I set that aside. But the first working one that I actually enjoyed playing that I got was uh, an Omega Race. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the thing that's great about Omega Race too, and I love to talk about Omega Race because it's such a good game. But um, you need one. It's the only vector that Bally did. It's it's like you know, and then they got sued. I guess. Yeah. Oops. So I I hear that's why they got cold feet. But man, that was a really good execution. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, and I think there's some some website somewhere. They actually there's like a second midway game that probably got nixed once they got sued, but it's right. still like prototype, and I can't remember the name of it. You know that System Sixteen website where they have different. Um, I think it's what it's called. Not familiar. But anyhow, on there, there there's some little blurb under the midway tab about no. one, and I can't remember what it was called. But yeah, some Mega Race was the only released one. Somebody will tell us in the chat, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah so uh you you got on a mega race and it was at a, a cabaret cocktail dedicated the upright the full size yeah and that's an amazing cabinet with all the black light and all that stuff oh, it definitely is and you know um prior to that i think prior to that i also got a uh, space invaders deluxe and uh, when i opened that up i'm like wow this is so cool how they did the stuff with the black light and the artwork yeah and all this all this like level of detail to uh, basically make up for the rudimentary nature of the game <laughs> so, earth friend that's yep. it 
That's it. There we okay, go. Okay, Earth Friend. What a terrible name. Yeah. Earth <laughs> Friend. Well, Omega Race was not really a great name either, if you think about it. Yeah. It's pretty good, though. Earth Friend. Sounds like E.T. or something. Come on. Yeah. It probably when did was. that come out? Earth ouch, Friend. Ouch. Ouch. E.T. phone home. So... Uh, Omega Race, uh, I thought was a racing game when I approached it in the arcade, and it was not. And then I thought you had to race the ship around in circles, but you did not. So <laughs> that'd be confusing because you have to get around that score box floating in space. I will so. say I had a Vic Twenty that had an excellent port of the Omega Race game. That's cool. I used to play that all the time. Yeah, it's nice. Too bad for that kind of basic computer. They did a good job. It's, it's, yeah, it's very like basic. The poor person version of the Commodore, right? Is that what? It is a Commodore. Yeah. It's the Commodore VIC twenty before the sixty four came out. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> I have. I still have my VIC twenty. I have. I've, I have a VIC twenty, and all. I have like a, every cartridge you could get for it. It's awesome, and the expansion <laughs> card slot, which you could only use. Unless you had like the, anyway, so uh, yeah, yeah, okay. So we're starting. To, you're starting to figure out. Okay, I need to fix stuff. When did you decide? I mean, we all do this out of the necessity, right? You can't sure. just send out your boards to everybody every time once I'm done. It costs you thousands of dollars. So at some point, you made the decision. I'm going to try to fix this. What was your first attempt? Yeah. Um... So actually, I'm trying to think of the very first thing I tried to fix. Mine um, was a diode and battery for a Tron cocktail. Yeah. So the Omega Race, you know, the thing with the Omega Race with the battery and the leakage, that was a, you know, that's a big issue. The one that I bought didn't have that. But um, awesome. at some point, any I can't remember exactly which game it was, but at some point something wasn't working. Like, you know, I, you know, I checked the voltages, all that basic stuff, and it just wasn't booting up. And, um, yeah, maybe it was a Galaga or something. But anyhow, I'm like, you know, this, yes, like basically what you said, like I could send this out, find somebody to repair it. Yeah. And this is still early on when I didn't really have kind of a lot of maybe like arcade friends, I guess I could say. I guess sure. You could say. Yeah. So I didn't even know where to start to try to find somebody to repair something. Then I'm thinking to myself, gosh, Matt, these things were made in like the late 70s and early 80s. They can't, even though it looks like there's a lot of stuff on these boards, I mean, it can't be like that astronomically complicated, right? You know, right. It's got to be like some basic way that this is laid out. And so then I started, you know, again, talking to a few folks and Googling things and um, just trying to figure out like the basics of like logic gates and memory and processors and how they all kind of are interrelated. And I had this kind of like aha moment because um, so like in chemical engineering or I guess in any any engineering discipline in general, I remember a professor very distinctly told me that you could solve essentially any engineering problem by remembering this concept, this vague concept of um, flow equals driving force over resistance. Sure. And so like for me as a chemical engineer, it's like flow of fluid through pipes and friction losses and things like that. Then I thought to myself, oh, you know, there's voltage, current, and resistance that you're measuring in these circuits. It's like kind of the same thing. And it's like, as that clicked in my head, then I started looking at schematics. I'm like, oh, okay, the data flows here or the or power supply works like this. You know, it, it, it rectifies the AC to DC and does this to bring the voltage into range and like 
I, I tell you, man, once once I got over that like mental block of like I'm never going to understand this stuff, it was all just like I'm obsessed with it now. I can't like <laughs> not. Yeah, I'm going on all these like forums, and you know, there's a lot of folks that got into this stuff when the internet was still you know, in its infancy, like in the 90s, and we're basic, like, email lists and message boards, and I got done all kinds of rabbit holes of folks that would try to fix their stuff way back then, and um, I just sort of basically self-taught myself a lot of, a lot of things. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't quick, but, you know, eventually I started becoming a little bit more proficient as yeah. time goes on. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah. um, you know, you have a reputation of being the guy that does vector repairs. Uh, so, you know, or a guy. There's a couple of guys that do it. In fact, um, they're in chat right now. Yeah, exactly. But years, years ago, years ago, I bought a Star Trek. The monitor needed work. Uh, I sent it to Chad, um, Arcade Cup. And uh, he had it for about two months. Oh. And, and then he sent it back to me. Uh, unrepaired mm-hmm. in the same box, oh, and he said, "I'm not doing these anymore um, because Bastard. they're just." Well, I, I don't really blame him, and, and we can get into that in a minute. But um, he said it back, and he says, "I'm sorry, I'm not really doing these anymore." And I was really frustrated, so I ended up buying all the caps myself from DigiKey and um, repairing the power supply and the chassis myself. And then I found this. Uh, FAQ on bulletproofing your GO8. So I did all those things and put on new bottle cap transistors. And that's how I ended up with all those surplus parts, Matt. So I I ended up buying Uh, tons of stuff like, oh, these bottle cap transistors are on eBay right now. And they're by, uh, I made an offer and the guy took it. And so I was like, I ended up with a whole bunch of bottle cap transistors. Um, but anyway, uh, you got into geoids because why? Yeah. So this was probably uh, maybe three, four years ago. A friend of mine. Um, I'm in. I'm in Indianapolis, by the way. So um, I kind of travel a lot to Chicago and to Louisville and a few different cities in Ohio and stuff like that for uh, gaming things and whatnot. And uh, one year I was in uh, Louisville. They have an arcade expo over there, and I got to meet a guy. And he's like, "Yeah, you know, I have um, a couple of these." Uh, um, Sega Star Treks in storage in the storage unit. One was a converter cab and one was a stern something conversion, maybe a scramble or something like that. And uh, he's like, I've, I've meant to fix them. I just, I'm never going to get around to it. I'll give you a good deal. On, do you want it? I'm like, sure. I'll come by and see you sometime. So went to his place, picked them up. They were complete. Um, so that was a good thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it just nothing worked when you right. know, try to, get it to run and whatnot. And so, um, you know, at, this was, of course, after I got the Omega race. And so this would have been like, I guess, uh, my third vector, the, yeah, the Tempest, Omega race, and now these. Sure. And so I started doing some research and found that FAQ and saw all these forums of, oh, my GO8 shorted out, caught on fire, did this, did that, <laughs> I figured it out. So I'm like, well, you know what? Um, I like tough challenges, you know, and, <laughs> and you know, if I can figure out how to get this thing to work, this monitor that like everybody's afraid of and whatnot, <laughs> like everything else is going to be easy by comparison, right? That's sure. kind of like how my weird mind works. Yeah. So, so I'm like, all right. So I read that FAQ, read a bunch of different things. 
And, um, uh, you know, the, I, I was scared to death after I pulled the monitor out and did all these, <laughs> rebuilt it and did all this stuff. I was going to put it back in. And, like, I was thinking, like, literally, like, a flame was going to, like, <laughs> somewhere. Like, I had a hey. fire extinguisher with me. And uh, believe it or not, I, the monitor didn't work on the first time I powered it up. But, like, you know, when you have, uh, I always have my hand on the little interlock switch yeah. pushed in so I can, like, push it off or pull yeah. it off right yeah, away yeah, in case yeah. something happens. And when I heard that, like, zap from the high voltage come on, I like, yanked my finger away thinking, like, the thing's going to blow up. Zap. But now, it was just like any other monitor. It turned on. Yep. Got some deflection. I'm like, all right, well, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Oh, wow. So make a long story short, I kind of struggled through that a lot. Um, well, because it's not just the, the GOA chassis. It's that G80 power supply. The power supply and the logic boards. I mean, because, you know, for folks that aren't familiar with it, all the Sega Vector games and the Raster games on the G80 system have that card cage where you can put like five or six cards into yeah. it. And um, I guess it's both. There's positives, positives and negatives. I mean, the nice thing is you could take a card out and put a known good one in and try to troubleshoot to see which ones are bad. Right. But the op, the downside is you can't easily do logic probing or you know like kind of tinker with it without pulling the thing apart the other the other thing that's good about having those multi-card systems is that they isolate the different types of things that are going on in the game but i think you kind of overcomplicate the plumbing that way in some ways if i think feel the same way about williams right they separated everything out you have the interconnect board you have the cpu board you have the video board you have the sound board then you have the power board and so there's all these things and it's just like it's not in a card cage but it's the same concept you have all these things that can go wrong so it's a, yeah. it's it, it can be a nightmare and just and just for a background in case people are wondering what's G O A G eighty so the Sega uh, why don't you give us a background on that Matt what what's oh, the difference yeah so yeah so so the Sega G eighty so the G eighty terminology is a is a Sega Gremlin um, <coughs> code name that they had for the system and so so basically you have. Um, like I said, that card cage with like five or six cards in it, and there's a there's a common backplane on the back, so the address and data bus and all the inputs and outputs and stuff are all shared. So th- those cards can go into any order; it doesn't matter. Um, on the front of it, then that's where all the the um, inputs and outputs and sound and video is hooked up. So I think their maybe it was their idea to kind of go away from like everything being so custom and non-standard. Um, on all these early video games to maybe a semi-standardized system to where like the CPU card is the same no matter what game you're working on or or, or playing. It's just there's a couple ROMs and some security chips that are different. So I think their idea was, you know, you buy a uh, Space Fury or something like that. And then as the other games would come out, you change a couple, change the sound card, change um, the the ROM board and, and you're good to go. Um, so you have that, and then there's this big linear power supply that's in there that has uh, four voltages, and that just hooks up directly to that card cage. Now, the G08 monitor is um, Electrohome designed the monitor, and that's just maybe the one they did after the G07, I guess. I don't sure. know. Yep, yep. So, um, so they designed that monitor. Unfortunate naming conventions. Yeah. <laughs> Dyslexic people probably drives them nuts, right? <laughs> and so yeah. Sega used this system for games like TaxScan, uh, Space Fury, Star Trek. What else? Um, yeah, so, yeah, so there's five vector games. Yeah, there's Space Fury, Star Trek, 
Taxcan, Eliminator, and Zektor. Okay. Um, I guess there's a sixth one, um, Battlestar. There's some flyer with a picture of it on there, but nobody's, I believe, has ever found grounds for it or anything like that. Hmm. Um, so, so th- those are the Sega games. Uh, Cosmic Chasm, I believe, uses a version of the GOA, some slight modifications, um, and it might. Uh, RK Jason would probably fill me in on the rest of them. There might be a couple others I'm missing, but it was primarily uh, for, for for Sega. And it's good to note also that the actual tube, not the chassis, um, but the tube is uh, the, the same tube that's in a 6100. Exactly, yes. The tube is exactly the same. Um, so if you really need or want a GO8 and have a 6100 or vice versa, they're interchangeable. Most of this, the spares that i've ever seen have had like a giant burn hole in the middle 6100 or you know it's hard to find one that uh, a vector monitor that hasn't been totaled by uh the guns and 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 the star there's a lot up with star trek burn i don't know if the same thing is true of like space fury uh or the other games yeah i've seen all versions of it Yeah. yeah so uh you you get into your first star trek and it's a mess and you finally yeah. get it working. And I remember, uh, uh, Mon- is it Mondo? Is that his name that did the FAQ for the, the bulletproofing? Oh, uh, yes. He has like a, they're like tips on what to do to kind of, um, yeah. It's like Mondo's yeah. bulletproofing tips or whatever. Yes. Anyway, I yep. ended up, I ended up having him. I could, I think he's in Chicago. Is he in Chicago? I'm not sure. I never talked to the guy. Anyway, I, he calls me to help me troubleshoot my Star Trek. And we're swap, and so he knows what's going on. And I happen to have an extra cage, so he's like, "Okay, this is the board that's the problem. This is the one that's giving you the problem." And I switch out, and he tells me which one to switch. Uh, and I screw up the cable, the interconnect cable between it. So uh, I get it working, and uh, it, it's really not broken or anything. The the cable just had the the, the housing came off, so it was working. Um, but then I ended up buying all the pieces to make a bunch of those cables. Cables because why not, right? (laughs) So I have like a whole bunch of ribbon cable and these little connectors for the internet. So if you need that stuff, I'll send it to you. Anyway, Uh I switch it out, and the most glorious noise is that dun 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 dun. And I was just like, oh my god, it's working! Game works. (laughs) And then when I was a kid, uh, I used to play it in the holiday. grocery store the the cockpit version and i oh, just wow. and i just love going in there and dropping the coin and then and hearing welcome aboard captain and that was just all i needed you know i was just like in the captain's chair i am the captain yes. so uh what was it like for you when you finally got that geo8 going yeah so when i got it going so i um i think i actually the once i the power supply had some issues i fixed that um and then the monitor was really kind of messed up. So I actually had an oscilloscope uh, at the time. I got a real uh, a, a, a good deal on eBay, so I just bought one to have. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm reading these tips and stuff. And like, oh, make sure you, it's basically like make sure you have either a good monitor or a good logic cage, and you can kind of um, focus your repair efforts that way. So actually, the logic cage was producing a good um, picture uh, for the most part. I had some. Um, little issues with the vectors, but like the actual core logic was working. So I'm like, okay, that's, I'll deal with that later. So I just focused on the monitor. 
And uh, like I said, I had I pulled it in and out of the game maybe six, seven times, Ugh. just trying to figure out what was going on. Now I will tell you another another downside to this Geo Eight besides the fact that it kind of has can be a little bit unstable um, at times is when Electrohome released the first version of it. Those two little paddle boards that are on like the version three that you see in most games were not there in the very early games. Yeah, and so they figured out basically what was happening when you start the game up for a very split second when all the vectors were kind of like scrambled on the screen. It would overdrive those transistors for a little while, and over time, it would that's what was causing them to sure, fail. Sure. So they put the paddle boards in there. They had to do all this kind of stuff, um, like make modifications, cuts, and jumpers, and resistors, and diodes piggybacked on the board and when i when i pulled this thing out i'm like surely somebody was in here like <laughs> with this no trying to work i thought the same thing yeah, then i'm like then i started reading that faq and about you know the history of the monitor i'm like are you serious this actually came from the factory <laughs> like this <laughs> so well the other I, thing is how many how many goa just a sidebar how many goa yeah. chassis have you do you think you've repaired so far uh, so far, uh, maybe just, just rough guess. Four dozen. Okay, so Ooh. four dozen. That's incredible, 50. by the way. And these um, amazing. And yeah. and you're making them pretty much bulletproof, and and people are super happy with the product. That's what I I hear. I haven't I haven't had any work done by you yet, but I assume at some point I will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah. because I have four. You know, hey, spare chassis. Hey, did, did you did you bulletproof Fett? You know, he, he had a uh, a Star yeah. Trek and an Astro. I knew it. I yeah. did his. Yes, I did his. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so I've nice. got like five chassis and four board sets and all that stuff. I gotta send all this anyway. I I had a question and I forgot what. It, oh yeah. So uh, you've done all these, you know, forty eight chassis, and how many of them are the same? I would say. Hardly any, and I, so here's the thing: like, there's probably four, three or four like major like revisions of the silks, uh, the screening of yep, the chases yep. and everything like that. But I would say within those, there's each of them have three or four subversions because they did field service kits, they did factory recalls where you would send it back and they would do things, and then like the. Everyone is slightly different that I get. I can't, I can't imagine being, you know, Sega Gremlin. And I mean, like, who was the, the – I'm sure the engineer that invented that chassis was fired. <laughs> I would guess, yeah. Well, no. Because well, none of them are the same. None of them. I mean, it, it's amazing how they can come up with something that kind of works. And then, yeah. you know, you, the, then the rest of the development is basically making it work. Yeah. And then that then you get these crazy variations. The, right. the, I, I will say though the picture on a G on a GO8 is gorgeous. Oh, oh yes. yeah, absolutely. I mean and like so that's the funny thing like I mean it's terrible to work on and I literally had one catch fire today. I mean we plugged one uh. in and the resistor <laughs> underneath the uh, one of the paddle boards caught on fire. Adam says it didn't, but there were flames. <laughs> we it we was ran yellow. we called the fire department. No, we didn't do that. But like no. we literally we literally had like yellow flames come out pulling the uh, anyways. And but the the picture when you get it going is is unbelievable. I mean yeah. it's just, you know, I mean I like I like the medium res amplifones, but I mean the the picture on a 8 just pop, pop, 
I mean, it really, when you think vector and you think I have to have a vector rendering of a game, like you see the games rendered by a geo, they're gorgeous. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, the, um, what was I going to say about that? Um, Gosh. Oh, oh, I know. Um, Kind of related to that. You know, a lot of people don't, uh, a lot of people think Tempest was the first color vector game. Actually, Space Fury was released, I think, a month or two before Tempest. So I'm wondering, this is all just me guessing, but I'm wondering if maybe Sega was in competition and pushing Electro Home to finish that monitor and not really, you know, think through everything. And and maybe that's why, if they would have taken a little bit more time and really designed that circuit with the current limiting boards integrated into the main deflection board, you know, it may have had a better reputation and not end up in the landfill like I think so many of them have. So it's, it's interesting to me too. I, I don't know. I mean, this this is uh, the type of thing that I'd love to know the answer to because why not? Uh, Atari used Electro Home Geo 7s in tons of their games. <coughs> and yet they went with Wells Gardner on the 6100 on pretty much all their vectors, in, not including the Amplophone, right? So that that's interesting to me. Like, it seems like to me Atari must have either not had the contract with Electro Home for vectors or said, your monitor's not good enough. And so we're going to go with this. It'd be I, interest, interesting to find out what the choice it, was. Yeah. It's possible, and I think I just saw um, Jason comment there about the uh, plate voltages on the GO8, and um, he's right. And basically, the reason that um, I, I guess the, the, the vectors look so crisp, like for example, like on, on um, Space Duel, on uh, the Atari Space Duel, if you look at the very top where it says like player one, player two, and some very small text, it's a little, I don't know, it's just, to me, it seems kind of squished and blurry. It's not very crisp, you know, like on the GOA, you could have very small text and things like that. And I mean, that line is just dead on, super, you know, it's, it's right there. And, you know, it has a lot to do with how fast the monitor can move that beam back and forth multiple times a second. So, um, yeah, they did a, I mean, the performance and how the picture looks is great. I just wish it would have designed the circuit a little bit better up front. <laughs> so if you were to give uh, G08 and G80 uh, repairer guys tips, what would be your one tip for the G80 power supply? And what would be your one tip for the G08 chassis? Um, so the G80 power supply, um, I know a lot of folks, you know, they're down on linear supplies in general and stuff like that. You know, that one, it's not that um bad um i guess maybe two things there's the ac input header from the transformer that goes to it gets a little brown and um kind of corroded from uh from all the uh, current that is pulling so two things absolutely 100 percent in that uh tip guide there's a thing in there about taking the the primary side of the transformer and going from one and three to two and four um, one and three was how it came from the factory, and that was for 110 volts. Two and four gets you closer to 120 volts. And just by that 10-volt difference, it does not seem like a lot. It takes a huge edge off of the heat generated in the power supply and in the monitor because um, things aren't working as hard to kind of get sure. within their design range. You know what I mean? Um, so that's one big thing. And then the other thing, if you want to stick with the linear supply, um, you can recap it. It's up to you. I mean, the caps in there are decent but the um there's a i think it's a tip 141 it's the uh the 
transistor, the current pass transistor for the five volts. Sure. The tip 141 was just kind of marginal for the amount of um, boards it was running. And so when folks send me the power supply, um, I've rebuilt maybe, I don't know, maybe eight or 10 of those for, for different people. And about half of them had a shorted tip 141. So your volt, voltage goes from about five up to seven or so. Not um, replace that, get a, get a, um, a heftier, um, you know, rated transistor, you'll be good there. Sure. Uh, so that's, that'll get your power supply good on the monitor. Um, if, I don't know, I mean, if you're, it's your first time doing it, it's, it's, it was intimidating for me. Um, if your monitor works, don't just say, Oh, it works. I'm just not going to touch it. (laughs) Bad, bad assumption because again, almost every single one I get, the paddle, especially by the paddle boards, um, every header pin has to be uh, reflowed. And really, they use those stupid circular ones that I think oh, like yeah. Williams did on a lot of theirs. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about a circle and a pin contacting a circle, it's just a tangent, right? It's just a very little right. tiny piece versus a square where you get a lot of good surface area for contact there. Even if your monitor works, pull it out replace those with square header pins and reflow everything you'll you'll be good there if it doesn't work it's there's a lot of things you got to go through yeah 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 what's well, good advice and also i think biltronics and and the faq and there's there's lots of resources out there that i used when i was rebuilding mine but um otherwise send it to mr matt and have him do the work because he's yeah. he knows them inside and out, or you know Jason, Jason, uh, Jason. I don't know how many repairs he takes in, but he's he's good with all that stuff too. So, so and I will say, you know, I and, and a lot of folks ask me to like, you know, I, I, you know, because they know that I do the Sega stuff, and you know, they ask me, hey, could you fix my you know Star Wars or my some Cinematronics game or something like that, and. Um, you know, I, I honestly, I kind of have to turn some people away because, um, I mean, even with just all the Sega stuff I get, that's just like, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's a lot. And, you know, I prefer, I get, so again, I'm like an engineer. I like to be very efficient and kind of focus on just a handful of things that I know inside and out, but then that I can go through in a kind of a timely manner. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure I could probably learn some of the other stuff, but like, to me, it's very interesting and there's other folks out there. There's a lot of other very good folks that do the other vector stuff too. So yeah, I'm not the only guy. So I'm going to just cut in quickly on that and say, but you got this amazing new, like you got this amazing testing system recently, correct? Am I? Uh, yes. <laughs> so, so I mean, you know, tell us about that. Tell us how that came into, like how that came to you. I mean, give us a little story here and tell us what happened. Yeah, so uh, what uh, Brian's referring to, this was probably maybe in fall of last year, maybe three or four months ago. Um, so, you know, each major manufacturer kind of had these, like, test rigs, like, you know, the PAT 9000, I think, is one of them from Atari. And, like, you know, Bally and Williams had different things for um, their pinballs. So uh, Midway made one called, I just call it the Midway Universal Tester. So it's very similar. It's just like this base unit with these cards you stick into it. And then there's these uh, custom-built harnesses for each Midway game, like, you know, Tron, Satan's Hollow, Burger Time, you name it. And, uh, you know, I've 
I've never had one of those. I've always built some like little just rigged up thing on my bench to kind of, you know, fix a game. I'm like, you know, I'd really like to get maybe a little bit more professional someday on some of this stuff. And I don't think Sega ever made one for the G80 system as far as I know. Mm-hmm. But um, second to the Sega stuff, I really like Midway games. I have a lot of, you know, MCR games, uh, you know, stuff from the late 70s and early 80s. And so right. I was kind of intrigued by that. And uh, make a long story short, I was able to track a guy down through maybe Clove or some site where he um, had one for sale several years ago and nobody bought it. And I just out of the clear blue, I messaged him, hey, do you still got this thing? And he did. And we went back and forth for a long time. And um, he was on the West Coast and he did a great job. He packed this thing up in a double walled box. And I mean, the thing weighed 100 pounds with everything in there. And that made it to me safely. And basically, the way it works is you have that on your test bench. You have any kind of color raster monitor or a vector monitor for a mega race. And then you have all these different harnesses and these little test ROMs specific to each game. Hook it all up to a game. And then it does – I haven't played with it really yet uh, to tell you what it does all encompassing. But – It'll probably do rudimentary things like ROM test, RAM test, um, yeah. you know, things like that to kind of help you troubleshoot. The big advantage of it is with all of these games that had non-standard, non-JAMA har- uh, hookups on it and edge connectors, it prevents you from having to build or figure out how to hook up these games when you want to fix them. You could just yeah. get everything hooked up, put it on the bench, and bam, it's, it's running. And that's, yeah. I think, cool. That's awesome. So I, I will say we did pick up a Pat 9000, luckily. Uh, we got very lucky to find one. And it was amazing how quickly we could fix boards just because you weren't looking for a cabinet. You go, you plug the, the adapter in, you hook the board up, and you're, you're instantly testing them, you know, messing around with the game. So it is handy to have that. Yeah. The neat thing about it, I mean, it is rudimentary. Actually, the Pat was very much just like hook the board up and let it play. Whereas the Midway one had some intelligence in it. It was not just a plug it in, let it go. And that's that's kind of a neat, a really neat feature of that. Yes, yeah. Because um, uh, I was just going to say, if you, you could download, there's like a manual on how to use that thing. And I was reading it too. I'm like, this is actually kind of cool. I'd love to dig into this when I have sure. time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just to uh, chime in, so Brian Fober mes- mentioned Buffett does uh, repairs, uh, especially on uh, – um, uh, chassis, and I don't know how much Buffett does with the uh, Andy Baldwin. Uh, Arcade I, Jason said, "Why has nobody name dropped Andy Baldwin here?" Oh. <laughs> yeah, right. That's true. Yeah. yeah, Andy's a great guy. He does a lot of stuff. He's um, helped, he's helped so, me out quite a bit, a bit too. Yeah. So the, and that's you know so I, I think um, one of the things that uh, Aaron Sanders just popped in and said Matt's a smart. Guy. What's up, everybody? So, you know, as one of the guys who's really becoming, I mean, there's a lot of guys who've been doing repairs for a long time in this community. And you're coming in and taking over kind of certain parts of it and making a name for yourself. I, what's, how, how's that interaction been with the guys who've been around for a while and doing yeah. this? And, and, and I will say, and I, I apologize for not mentioning this earlier, folks like, um, like Jason and Andy and, um, Oh, uh, uh, if you guys know uh, David Schumann and uh, Douglas Gauck, uh, uh, that's how you pronounce his name. Um, they, they've helped me, like, early on when I first started doing this stuff, 
and I run into a problem that I wasn't sure about, I would ping them, probably annoy the heck out of them sometimes, which I'm, I apologize, but um, they helped me learn a lot too. So like, I, I don't want it to be like, I'm like the only guy doing all this stuff. There's lots of other folks oh, out yeah. there and there's lots of monitors and lots of boards to fix. So, yeah. and, and I think that that's, and one of the things I wanted, the reason I asked that in part is people are asking a few questions, but one, one of the other things that I think is really neat is like you got into this, right? Like you learned yourself, like you taught yourself a lot of the stuff, but like the community also helps support you learning these things. So mm -hmm. for somebody who's in the chat or listening to this or watching John's Arcade or anything else, like this is not an impossible place to get to. You know, I mean, you, there is the support and the community, yeah. at least our experience has been the community really encourages people to learn this and people like, you know, Jason are walking around saying, I'm going to keep all my knowledge for myself. They're trying to share this and spread it and actually allow more people to do these repairs, which is one of the things I think is fascinating and really amazing in this community. People aren't holding on to the knowledge as a value. They're spreading it. Exactly. And I, and I will say something, too, like, you know, uh, you know, uh, outside of us nerds that like this kind of stuff, right. you know, <laughs> I tell people at work and in general life, life what I do and they're like, why do you like that old stuff? You, 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 you have to go and get those CRT TV things to do tube swaps and stuff. Like, why do you, why do you care about this? Like, I'll tell you, like all these folks that like, you know, like, let's say, you know, this was your business in the seventies and eighties when everything was booming and you're an arcade repair shop or monitor repair shop. And that's what you did. I mean, you were really good at it back then, but of course as time goes on and you move on to other things in life and you sort of maybe forget about that. There is outside of like the folks in this hobby that, that do this stuff, a lot of that knowledge is becoming almost obsolete, you know? So I think it's really cool that things are being sort of passed on as, as time goes on to more and more, more, and more people yeah, that care cool. about it. Hey, so, and then I had another question for you. Uh, so you have all, the, you do all these amazing repairs on games. Is there a game that you've always wanted, haven't found yet? What's the... You know, what's the game that you're still searching for? Oh, man. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. a loaded question. <laughs> uh, um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, man, you know, I... Five seconds. Uh, I'm, just no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I would really love to have... I'll say, I would really like to have... And I know it's probably never going to happen because there's not that many, but I would really like to have a Cosmic Chasm someday. I think that's a really neat game. It, you know, I had a little, um, uh, or I still have a little uh, tabletop Vectrex, and, you know, there's a game on there, I think it's called Cosmic Chasm as well, and uh, that's how I first played the game, and I'm like, I had no idea there was an arcade version of it, and, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, maybe someday, I don't know, I, it's very expensive, I know. <laughs> so That's cool. Was that nice? Is that new FPGA, the Synvectron thing? Is that does that have Cosmic Chasm on it? I'm not sure. Hmm. Is there one That'd that be interesting? Is there one that got away? Like you almost had it, and almost. somebody else got it. Um. Oh, for Cosmic Chasms, no, not at all. But I mean, there's been a handful of times where I was just two seconds late to a game, and somebody got it before me. You know, yeah, that's always <laughs> frustrating, right. Yeah. right? But one, so nothing like really. Like I'm so sad I didn't get it. Uh, yeah. At, at the end of the day, they're all games, right? You know, right. So yeah. just wait. Hold <laughs> right. So, just how many beer. how many games do you have? Um, I probably have 
65-ish, 70. Oh, nice. Uh, take inventory. <laughs> and how many are vectors? Like half or third or? Uh, no, really. Uh, so I have, let's see, maybe 10, 10 vector games or so. I, um, so I have... I have a Star Trek upright, a Star Trek captain's chair, okay. a space tree, and a tax scan uh, in their respective cabinets. Um, I'm trying to assemble uh, the parts and pieces, uh, get a converter cab to make uh, Zektor and Eliminator. So I'd like to have just the full lineup of those, of course. Um, and then I have the Tempest yeah. and, and a Mega Race. Okay. And, uh, you know, there might be a couple of Atari ones I would like to get. Uh, and Gravatar is uh, on its way, actually. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Well, it's you know, converted cabs, in my opinion, are probably the worst cabinet next to an Atari cabinet for weight and working on them. Goodness, yeah, they're heavy as heavy could be. And there's no <laughs> access. You have, like, one door on the back that's yeah. not – and you have to – it's just a mess. And then those milk carton uh, – Somebody should make new injection mold milk carton uh, coin coin boxes for those. Those are blow those are blow molded. They're blow yeah. molded, yeah. It's like a yeah, it's a weird process. It's actually a goofy little process to get those made. Um so Andy Baldwin just said, What are your thoughts on the Sigging Sega Sessies? Let me have another beer. Sega multi kits. <laughs> Sega oh the Sega multi kit? Um it's a good option. Um, I think uh, Vector Labs uh, did, I think he did a pretty good job, a really good job, I should say, for, uh, you know, essentially, you know, with his kit, you don't have to have the uh, EEPROM board, but he has a little add-on board that goes onto the CPU board. And it takes some basic, you know, intermediate level, I would say maybe jumpers and soldering with for a few things. Um, and I've installed a few for different folks, and it, it plays... I mean, it uses the identical code and uses the XY cards, so um, it, it's a good option if you don't want to seek out all the, all the originals. So it's true to the originals. And we, and, and we were talking about the sound. It's ironic that soundboard that's like. What's that? It's ironic that you cut out right when you were saying. Sound. Yeah, you were you're roboting a little bit there. <laughs> but. but <laughs> So four hundred dollars, you can have a soundboard. I'll, bro. I'll just, I'll just stay quiet. I'll just. Oh, soundboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He does. So yeah, he's referring to that. Vector Labs makes a uh, surface mount soundboard to use with his kit. Um, it's been out for maybe a couple years, but prior to that, in order to have all five games have all the sounds, you had to seek out the all three of the G eighty sound cards and the. Oh. Meatball and Battlestar are kind of hard to find. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of folks were just kind of waiting for an alternative. So he buckled down and made it. But, um, yeah, it's 400 bucks. <laughs> nice and cheap. Yeah. Might as well buy the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Mark, did you have a couple questions? I... Let's see. Hold on. Let me go back to my show notes here. I see I am not in my show notes. Well, I can, can ask a question Some, then. Yeah, go for it. I'll stop roboting then. What are your five least favorite arcade games? What are the five that you couldn't get rid of quick enough? <laughs> 
This is a good question for everybody. Oh, man. Gosh. Um, Let's just pick – actually, just pick two. Just two? Yeah. Well, and, you know, the issue with me, I have this big problem of I buy and buy and collect, and it it takes, like, twisting of my arm to let a game go. I don't know why, but (laughs) – Right. Uh, Yeah. I don't have that. He does not. It's it's very nice. I'm just – I don't know. I mean, the, the few I mean, there's I've had like like early on when I was starting collecting, I was just like buying stuff that I found cheap. I didn't really care if it was a bootleg, an original, a conversion, or whatnot. And I've sold off a few of those. Like I've had like you know like bootleg or conversion, whatever you want to call it, like uh, you know Space Invaders and things like that, where it's just like you know it's. I, it's very poorly done. There's not a lot of artwork to it, and it's just kind of like a, a big black box. So I didn't really have too much of an attachment to those. Not that they were bad games, but just as I started collecting more and kind of focusing on like you know these cabinets that have all this fantastic artwork and stuff like that, um, I think those are the kind of games I sort of shed over time. Um, but I try to be a little selective with not just trying to get the games I like. So diplomatic. You don't hate yeah. any games. Hmm. Like. Yeah. Like I, hate I really hate Exterminator. Never played it. I heard it doesn't get good reviews. Wow. Hey, so do you have any parting advice for us as far as the uh, the vectors goes? Like, is there something that you say at the end of every email that you send somebody? Like, hey, here it is. I finished it. But dot dot dot. <laughs> Don't ever send me anything again because <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Because this was a real mess, thanks to you. Don't leave it on for a week. I toiled and labored for a week on this thing. thing. I don't ever want to see you again. Huh? Yeah, yeah. We're not friends anymore. Eh. We're not friends now. Um, and then they plug it into something wrong and blow it out and have to send it right back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I like what I do. If if you got, if anybody needs my help on the Sega stuff, just get get with me and I'll, I'll help you out. So on the Facebook, do, do that? How do they do that? Uh, you can just get with me on, uh, either, uh, Facebook, just, you know, find my name on there and send me a message. Or if, uh, you're on just claw, if you don't do Facebook, um, my name on there is back in time, 82. Oh, like nice. Back to the future, back in time, 82. Oh, I wonder why you like back to the future. That's nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm time runner. So also same, same. Oh, yep. Awesome. Yeah, it's a great movie. All right. Well, hang with us after oh. we sign off. Sure. And, we'll talk uh, to you offline for one yeah. minute. And we'll, uh, we're just going to. Sh- hey, I just want to thank everybody for listening. And this has been the Double R's Arts Our Created Radio. Oh, I didn't go my trailer notes. <laughs> like I said, Facebook at Arcade Radio. Check us out semi regularly updated blog at arcaderadio.com. That's R C A D E R A D I O.com. If you're not Bob Zarzadek, give us a call and leave comments and questions. <laughs> On the game line. On the game line. 612 548 game. That's 612 548 4263 in case you can't spell game. And if you're going to complain about Bob calling and him being the only caller, we expect you to call next week. So subscribe to our YouTube channel. 
click on the notification bell so you'll know when we're streaming live. You can also subscribe to our podcast on Anchor FM, iTunes, Google Play Music, and wherever podcasts are streamed. Yeah, that's going to be it for the show from Arcade Radio. We hope you had a great time, and we'll see you on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I don't know. <laughs> it's going to have to be in a week, I think. All right. Are your pants still on? They are, yes. Where's the crotch light? I miss the crotch light. I can turn it on right now. There you go. Is it any better? I don't know. I can't tell. I like the mood lighting. It, it lights up too much around. I don't like that. Right. It reminds me of 10 Forward on, on the Star Trek Enterprise. I remember my buddy Carl hated Guinan, and I was like, Guinan's so cool, man. I like Guinan. <laughs> Guinan's awesome. Whoopi hey, Goldberg, are you going to watch Picard when it comes on on the 23rd? For sure I'm going to watch yeah. Picard. And then Ooh, I'm going to ditch CBS All Access like nobody's business. <laughs> 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 All right, let's shut this thing down. Uh...